Well, if you're just joining us for the first time, we are going through the book of Habakkuk. We tend to go through books of the Bible as a church and try to understand the full counsel of God. We finished up the book of James, and now we're in Habakkuk. And I'll be testing some of the people around you. If you weren't here, you get off easily this morning. Does anyone remember what Habakkuk actually means, what his name means? To hug or to embrace. So again, our prayer is, my prayer is, that we will feel loved, hugged, embraced by God through Habakkuk's words. Last week we got real far into the text. We covered the first four verses. And I had to set the context for everybody, again, as a reminder of who is Habakkuk and what does it even matter? And what is happening in history at this point? And so as, we, as a quick way to remind you, probably written around 640 to 609 B.C., somewhere in there. The two kingdoms, if you remember, there's the, the kingdom of Israel, and the kingdom of Israel had split. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south is how it was referred to. And the northern kingdom, although prophets had come, major prophets, which, which uh, what is major What is a major prophet for someone who would know? We've covered that. What does it mean for there to be a major prophet and a minor prophet? Who would help me? Does it have to do with their content? What's inside the book? No. It has to do with the size of the book. Isaiah, Jeremiah, major prophets. Habakkuk, Nahum, minor prophets. So even though the northern kingdom had many years of major and minor prophets warning them, repent, You broke God's commandment, now repent. They say no, judgment comes. It's a cycle. So the northern kingdom in 722 falls to Assyria. Well, years pass, and what happens is another group begins to grow and gain strength. Who Ed mentioned when he was reading. Some translations will say Chaldeans, which that's the one I'll be reading from, will say Chaldeans today. Some say Babylonians. It's the same group. God is warning Judah through Habakkuk, this conversation with Habakkuk, the same fate's coming for you if you do not repent. So we started off last week and we talked through Habakkuk's cry out to God or his complaint to God. And we talked about again that God knows our heart and it is certainly okay to cry out to him as a father. But we want to be careful as we cry out to Him that we're still respectful and we're not accusing Him of anything because He's always good. He's holy. He's righteous. And if anyone's wrong in the relationship, kind of like Coach and Miss Donna's relationship, if anyone's wrong, it's Coach. Right? In that same way, if it comes between what we think and what God thinks, it's never going to be the fact that God's wrong. Ever. And we have to humble ourselves and say, God, you're right. So it's interesting that the book starts off and Habakkuk complains. And if you remember, he's crying out and he says, How long, O Lord, will I cry to you? And we talked about last week, do we ever feel that way sometimes, that we cry out to God and He's not listening? The truth is, for those who are Christians, He certainly always hears our prayers. 
But sometimes his response is yes, sometimes his response is no, and sometimes it's wait. So as he cries out, and he was crying out because he's looking around at God's people, Judah. And so he said, we need to look around God's people, the church, not just this church, but this one included, but the church around the world. And he cries out, and he's crying out about the evil that exists among the people of God. And it won't take you very long to search a news article and find some issue with some bishop or some pastor where they have fallen and there's been great sin. So like Habakkuk, we cry out, why is there so much evil? And he gets into verse verse 4, and he's talking about the wicked. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Justice doesn't even look like justice anymore. And then God speaks. It's like he interrupts him. God speaks. So let's work through together what God says to Habakkuk and what God is saying to us. Verse 5, look. That's a good place to stop. (laughs) How often do we cry out to God? You're not doing anything. I'm not seeing the results that I'm expecting here. I'm not seeing you working because I'm praying for these things and it's not coming. I've been praying over and over and I'm still not seeing it. I think right away God is reminding us and encouraging us to look. Pay attention. Look where? Well, we're going to see. Look around the nations and actually see what God's doing. Don't let the media interpret for you what God's doing. Don't let others do that. No. God's given you a mind. Look what he's doing around the world, what he's doing around your community, what he's doing around you, what he's doing inside of you. Look to his word. The encouragement is when we're doubting God, when we're wondering what he's doing, we need to look to his word and we need to look around and actually be a people who have the discipline of being still, silent, and paying attention to what's going on. And not just watch things on Netflix or whatever, just to be entertained. We're not to be a people who are just mindlessly entertained all the time. Although I'm not saying you can't watch some stuff sometimes, as long as it's encouraging and edifying and good for you. Watch it, have fun. But the point is we're becoming a culture to where others think for us, and we just want to be entertained. And if it's not entertaining, we're not interested in it. We need to be a people who look at what's going on. So God breaks in with, look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. He says, look around you And he's reminding Habakkuk, because Habakkuk, what do we do? When things are tough, when it's about us, we're right here. Everything's all about me. If I'm having a bad day, something's going wrong in our family, something's happening, it's Billy's world. I'm all right here. This is going on. Yeah, whatever. I've got this, though. It's on my mind. I have an opportunity to serve with serve somebody. No, I can't do that right now. I'm focused right here. 
Got the opportunity to love somebody else, do something? Mm -mm. We as people get so wrapped up in ourselves that we miss it. We miss it. He's saying, look around, look beyond yourself, and look around and see what I'm doing. And he's going to show them what he's doing because, get this, God is working in ways that we can't even fathom. We can't wrap our heads around it. Because he's so amazing and powerful and wonderful. Would you really want to worship a God and serve a God that you could fully understand? Like, by definition, he stops being God. If you're just like, oh yeah, got God figured out, no problem. I know exactly what he's doing. If God stuck to my plans, oh man, my life would be really messed up. I certainly wouldn't be married any longer. I would have lost that. Wouldn't have these wonderful kids. There's so many things that we do not want to be left to ourselves and we do not want to understand fully. We don't want to be able to understand fully what God's doing because we want Him to be so much greater than we are and know so much more than we know. You would not believe if told. Now here's His answer. Here's what I'm doing. Don't worry. God's people, I know you guys are sinful. I'm doing something about it. Now let me explain to you what I'm doing. He's like, all right, Habakkuk might be excited. All right, Lord, this is going to be great. How are you going to handle it? Uh, Let's see. For behold, I am raising up the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, that bitter and nasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize the dwellings not their own. It's like... We're praying. I'm praying. God, there's so much evil in our church. We have sin. We have people who are claiming to be Christians and living in unrepentant sin. Lord, we have so many things going on. Do something! And he says, oh, I am. ISIS is coming down the street. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not... Lord, no, no. Lord, I didn't mean that. That's not what I'm talking about. Right? Can you kind of feel Habakkuk like, oh, you're, you're raising up these nasty, bitter people? To come for, for your people? Whoa. On the back of your bulletin, there's a small map. You might be able to pull it up here. I just printed this off just so you could see that basically the Babylonians, they were in uh, modern-day Iraq and Syria. And that's where they started from. And their dynasty, you know... They ruled their kingdom for over a thousand years. Okay, and it just got bigger there towards the end. So the Assyrians were there, and then the Babylonians come in. We're a young nation still. It's a long time to be ruling. And when you rule and you dominate for as long as they do, you're going to see in just a minute as we go through the way they think about themselves. And what's concerning is we've got to be careful as a nation that we do not become proud. But we can't always control that. So what we can control is we have to be very careful as a church and as individuals that we do not become proud because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So you can see that map on the back there. It just kind of shows you where they were at and how they traveled and took over. The Babylonians are bitter 
They're nasty. But look at the beginning of verse 6, guys. This is tough. He says, what are you doing about it, God? And God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. God is actively involved in the raising up of this nation to come and attack his people. Now, how does that make sense? So we need to have a conversation briefly about the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God means God's over everything, owns it all, everything. And in his sovereignty, he has a plan. And do you know what can go against his plan? Nothing. There's nothing that goes against the Lord's overall plan. Nothing. What's so incredible about God is in this huge plan that we can't even understand, and it's a good plan because he's a good God, it's the perfect plan because he's the perfect God, but in that there are still things like this. God's people being sinful, judgment coming, there's death, there's pain, there's all this stuff that we see. Our prayer time was filled of things that are like, not sure this is the best plan sometimes. But it's still in his plan. So, just to be fair, I'm going to draw a name today for someone to come up. Want to make it fair? Wouldn't want anyone to feel like I pick on them randomly. Huh? George, help me out with that. Whose name's on that? Who is it? Roy. Roy, come on up. Appreciate that. That's he's a he, hey, he's a good guy. He really is. But hey, this is this is the Lord, right? We talk about, you know, even the the roll of the dice and and God decides that. So this is this is you. Okay. I've got a bag full of bags, trash basically. We're going to put it over here. And Tim, you're welcome to take these afterwards. And we have a little mandolina or orange or whatever you call them, clementine. Okay. Roy, will you come stand here in the center? Okay. Now I'm behind Roy. He can't see me, right? Okay, good. We're good. I want, I'm hoping that Roy will choose one of these. Okay? That's what I'm hoping for. So I'm going to ask him a few questions. And based upon his response, he's going to move closer to one or the other. Okay? Answer honestly. Okay. And think now. You have this over here, which is pretty nice. That's food. Or that's tra- clothing. Or that's trash. Trash. Bags. Oh, okay. Okay? If you were to go on a vacation with your lovely bride... Would you rather go together to the mountains where there's snow, a cabin that you guys can hang out at, or a cruise through the Caribbean? Cabin in the mountains. Cabin in the mountains. That's one step this direction. One step this way. Okay? All right, I'm asking this next one. The first thing, if you answer the first one, you go this way. If you answer the second one, this way. If you were to go out 
on a date somewhere around town, would you rather be somewhere that was packed, jammed, full of people that you couldn't really move much, but you like being around people? If so, you'll step that way. Or would you prefer a few select people that you can hang out with and have conversation with? If that's the case, one step that way. Sorry. Do you prefer coffee or tea in the morning? All right, if it's coffee, let's go this direction. If it's tea, let's go that way. Last one for you. You get to have a meal. Big, maybe a celebration, birthday, whatever it is. Step this way if you take sushi. This way, and finish off, and grab your reward, (laughs) if it would be Italian. Sushi that way, Italian this way. Go ahead. So, did I make Roy choose any of those things? At all. No, I didn't. It's his choices completely. I'm asking him questions. I might know some of his preferences. I might do a little research. Now imagine the little bit that I know, or even the little bit that Susan knows, about Roy, and I could move him right where. Which way did I want him to go? Where did I want him to go? To the trash, right? But that's because sometimes in the trash is some good stuff. Thank you, Roy. Give him a hand. Get yourself a key lime pie. That's better, than, that's better than this. You can buy a bunch of these. Here's the point, though. In that little example, I can move Roy where I wanted him to go with a little bit of knowledge, and he freely makes those choices. No doubt, right? Now, if God knows everything, he's all-powerful, all-loving, and remember, he's timeless, meaning he's outside of time. He actually created time. So he doesn't learn anything. He just knows it all. And he does that with every single person that's ever existed. He knows everything about us. And he moves the world in such amazing ways. And even here, these Babylonians are an evil people. Is God evil? No. He fully lets the Babylonians do what they want to do. He's allowing that for this season, their choices, but he's still over the plan. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? So now let's look at that verse again. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, I'm working things together in such a way that if you heard it, you wouldn't even believe it. That's what he's saying. They march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're evil. They take and take and take. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and their dignity go forth from themselves. They literally decide what's right and their worth for themselves. Which, by the way, if we do that, guess what? You're always going to be the best. Like, if you get to decide that, yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. You guys maybe didn't know this, but 
I'm awesome. You guys, you're okay, I'm awesome. And my worth is just so much more than all of yours. That's how we all think, really, deep in our hearts. Especially when we start comparing with others. Has to be my way. My desires, my preferences. And that's so often what causes many issues is we have some of these same tendencies apart from God's grace. God's the one who decides what justice is, and he's given it to us in his word. That way it can't be perverted. And the dignity of humans comes from God, which means all people are important. All tribes, tongues, nations, everybody is important. Their horses, verse 8, are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Can you imagine a pack of wolves who haven't eaten all day? And they come rolling up, and you're outside? Yeah. Habakkuk's learning about how evil the Babylonians actually are. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. You think Habakkuk's starting to get nervous about what's coming? Here's why they're coming. They all come for violence and their faces forward. They gather captives up like sand. They're not even even looking back and worried about what they've done, who they've destroyed. They're coming. It's what they do. At kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh. Other kings, other nations, ha, you can't do anything to us. We'll destroy you. And they lasted a long time. This is interesting. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. They see fortresses with the walls around them, and they go, ha, they think that's going to protect them. And you know what they do? They go, and they take the resources that are right around the wall, and they take the sand and they build up. So as they build up around the wall, the wall actually is getting shorter, is it not? And they just take time and they build it up, build it up, build it up, and then they come right in and attack. It's an interesting side note, but we're to constantly be putting on the armor of God, to be fighting against God, against, for God against Satan, fighting so we won't fall. And it's good, we get up, we read the Word, and we... we pray and we put on the armor of God, but I'm curious if sometimes we don't leave some of the resources for Satan just on the other side. What I mean, for, what I mean by that is perhaps you struggle with a certain area of sin. Perhaps men struggle with something, looking at things they shouldn't be looking at on the internet. And instead of getting rid of it, we make provision for, for the flesh by allowing ourselves still to have access to these things. One of the key things as well with with addiction to certain things, it's going to be the same thing. You either, you might say, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to do these things, but if you don't change your environment and change things around you, eventually you'll fall again. It takes changes. These Babylonians are coming in, 
And Habakkuk is realizing there's nothing we can do. And he's uncomfortable. Verse 11, Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men, right? God is using guilty men who just sweep on through. And listen to what it says. Whose own might is their God. That's, the old, that's, that's pride. Ultimately, when you're trusting in yourself so much that you really don't think you need God, I got this. And you know what? A lack of prayer, just so you know, lack of prayer and a lack of being in His Word is actually really prideful. It's saying, oh, you say it's the bread that I have to live on, but I say I'm good. I've got enough here. I can handle it. He says, I'm sovereign over everything, so pray to me. And we say, I'll make my own plans. I'm good. That goes back to James, too. When, James, when we were talking, when we say things, if the Lord wills, again, shows our heart. We have to be careful that we as individuals and we as a nation aren't, and as a church, aren't like the Babylonians in those ways. Think for a second of where Habakkuk is at now. He cries out, right? Doing the noble thing. God, there's evil all around. We need you to do something. I need you to take care of it. And God says, oh, just look. I'm taking care of it. And then he goes, no, 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 no. No, not like that. That's not what I meant. Next week, we're going to look at his actual response to God when he hears this news. But you can imagine, right? If I said, God, cleanse our church. Help us. No, I am. ISIS is coming down the street. What would my response be? What would your response be? But here's the thing that I want you to take with you today. A couple things. Number one, realize that God is sovereign. He's good. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And even though we have our choices that we make, others have choices they make, he still has a plan. Trust in the fact that he has a plan still. And realize that this thing that he's doing, this work back in verse 5, he says, I'm working in your days. I don't know if you caught it, but let's quickly turn back to Acts 13. That Ashton read this morning. Paul and Barnabas were giving this speech. And if you remember the words that Ashton was reading, he was talking about the message of salvation. The fact that Jesus died for sins. That He suffered in our place for our sins. And it goes into verse, starting in verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. David died and stayed in the ground. Abraham Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all of them died. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Who's that? Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, this is, listen, let it be known, therefore, brothers, that through this man, this Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. 
The law will not save you. It condemns you. And when you say, I'm going to try to be a good person and make it to heaven, you're saying, I'm going to try to live by the law. And God's saying, choose grace. You don't want law. You want mercy. You want grace. Beware, therefore, lest what is said by the prophets should come about. Now listen to this again, because we just saw it in verse 5. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells you. Paul and Barnabas were reading Habakkuk. And they were understanding, repent and believe in Jesus, so that destruction doesn't come. We'll find out if Judah actually repents and believes. But the encouragement for us today is trust in the sovereignty of God and repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus. And that destruction that's coming will not come. Let's go ahead and pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word, and we are thankful for the fact that you don't just let Habakkuk and you don't just let us just continue on to wallow and complain and question, but Lord, that you've given us your word, you've spoken to Habakkuk, you're speaking to us, and you say, listen and look at what I'm doing. Look at my word. Look at what I've done. Look at the Savior. Look at the cross. Look at the empty tomb. And even though destruction comes, even though you bring these, you raise up these difficult times, Lord, it's ultimately a work that you're doing that we don't even understand. As Isaiah the prophet says, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways and your thoughts. And we are thankful that we do not fully understand you. Help us today to see more of your sovereignty and your goodness, to see the work that you're doing around us, that you're doing in our families, that you're doing in our own hearts. Help us to not be like the Babylonians, a prideful people. Help us to cry out to you for mercy. I pray for my brothers and sisters in here. I pray for those who may not, as John said earlier, know you. Lord, I pray today they would cry out for mercy. They would trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross as a sacrifice where his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins and how after three days he rose for our salvation. I pray if no one has ever, someone in here has never cried out to you that they would do it now. Lord, be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.